You are listening to the Mindful Minute, meditations created for everyday joy. I'm Meryl Arnett, mama, meditator, and co-owner of Sacred Chill West. This podcast is recorded from my live Monday night meditation class, where we have a brief discussion followed by a 20-minute guided meditation. Hey, y'all. Welcome to the Mindful Minute. Today's episode is a little bit different. Rather than listen in on one of my live meditation classes, I am actually offering my first ever interview as part of the Mindful Minutes offerings. So this interview was recorded several weeks ago. This is with a woman named Rachel Peavy, who owns a company called Blissful Budget. You might remember me mentioning Rachel back in November, if you've been listening for a while. Back in November of 2019, we did our Abundance series. And as part of my own personal abundance work, I hired Rachel to help me create a mindful money plan for my life. And I thought... Um, that I really wanted to share it with you guys because it's been incredibly profound for me over the course of these last three or four months. And so we recorded this interview. And then moments later, it seems, we find ourselves in this worldwide COVID-19 pandemic. And some of us are impacted health-wise. And some of us are impacted financially. Many of us, I think, are impacted financially. Um, our My yoga studio has been closed for two weeks, and um, certainly I am feeling the fear that every small business person uh, is feeling right now. And so I think that this interview is hopefully more timely than ever. I hope you enjoy it. In general, what we talk about is bringing a sense of mindfulness to our money, how we might work with um, creating a a wise and mindful budget that actually feels good versus feels restrictive. But really what I think maybe is most important is that Rachel has just published a um, what to do in a financial emergency post on her website. And it's a really resourceful guide of steps you can take. I called her immediately when we closed the studio to ask her what I needed to do for our personal budget. She gave me some really clear insight of things to focus on. And taking that sense of control really does help alleviate some, not all, but some of the anxiety around money. You know, it's been interesting because my own, as you'll hear me say in this interview, actually, my own personal method to date of dealing with money is sort of to ignore it, which I think a lot of us do. And this um, moment in time has demanded that we not ignore it, right? like so much else in our lives, this moment in time is demanding that we wake up and pay attention. And this is just one small way. So if you check the show notes, I'll link to that um, financial emergency guide that Rachel has shared. I really hope you enjoy today's episode. Enjoy the bliss list meditation at the end. It was so powerful for me. And even though, um, you know, thinking about bliss list things in this moment might feel out of reach. 
it is a lovely little mental vacation to take. So give yourself that moment of, I hope, joy and lightheartedness and send me some feedback. Let me know if you enjoyed this interview. I have two other interviews scheduled that I'm so excited to share with you guys. And I'd love to, I think, offer one maybe every quarter or every month or so, depending on if you enjoy them. So let me know. You can hit me up um, on my website, MerylArnett.com. Let's jump into the interview. Hi, Rachel. Hi, Meryl. <laughs> I'm so glad to get to do this interview with you. I'm um, so glad too. Will you start just by telling us a little bit about yourself and the work that you do, how you came to it? Yes, definitely. So I am a money coach or money healer. Um, I'm also a yoga teacher. I teach in Decatur, Georgia. My background had nothing to do with either of those things. I started out similar to you in the corporate world and public relations. Um, and the short story is that I, you know, found myself wanting to leave the corporate world uh, right before I had my daughter. I did and started a PR business, but I found joy in just doing our personal budget. And in, you know, managing the money for the house and I'm a spreadsheet nerd. And so I'd sit in my day and realize like the part of my day I was happiest was when I was like looking at our budget spreadsheet and figuring it all out. And I realized I wanted to help other people do this because I have a lot of friends who are soul-centered entrepreneurs who are yoga teachers or Reiki healers or um, chiropractors. So all these people who work in healing, who are great at healing, but we would talk a lot about our frustrations with money. And so I started just helping my friends out. And, you know, as I dove into this work, I really started applying some of those healing modalities to budgeting because what I found is, you know, I can make spreadsheets for anybody, but there's habits and underlying money stories and feelings that we have that are so ingrained in us, you know, from the time we're little, um, that we have about money. And so, you know, we can, we can put numbers on a page, but if we're not addressing some of those underlying stories and habits, and we're not healing those stories, then there's not going to be change. And we're not going to see that translate to our, to our wallets or our budget. You know, that, uh, so resonates with me. And I feel like, Really, that's one of the reasons I was so drawn to work with you is, and I think I even told you this in the first session we did together, you know, I set this intention to really pay attention to my money in this coming year. And one of the reasons I did so is because I realized in the course of owning my own business, there have been months that I have made $5 and $500 and $5,000. And it actually didn't matter how much money I made. I always felt the same way in my financial life. And so when you talk about these underlying money stories, I really feel like from the mindfulness perspective, that's the piece that's so valuable to offer and to understand is, you know, we can make all the money in the world if we're lucky, but how do we apply our sense of presence and our sense of compassion towards the way that we interact with our money or pay attention to it or don't pay attention to it, right? Yeah, that's so true. I mean, it's so important to be mindful with our money and and especially as 
folks who are self-employed and we're really relying on ourselves to bring in money. And we do have those months that are a bit more slim than others. And, and that's so common to feel like, well, I had an amazing month, but I feel exactly the same as, you know, when I have a month where, where I'm struggling. And so it's really being mindful of, of, okay, well, what, you know, what is going on underneath the surface and what, what are my fears and what, what is coming up for me? And, you know, sometimes even making a lot of money can bring up fears too. So it's being mindful about, okay, well, I had a great and very successful month, but I feel unsettled. So why is that happening in my body? And and even being mindful about, and we've worked with this too, you know, I'll ask my clients, okay, you, you're feel, you say you're feeling fear. Where are you feeling that specifically in your body? Because that can often give us a lot of information about the story that's there. So, you know, if you're feeling it in your throat, it can relate to communication and not, you know, not feeling heard or not feeling like you're getting, you know, your needs met or, you know, if it's happening in your, in your root chakra and you're having a lot of belly pain and things like that, you know, that can be related to safety. So I think we can get so much information just from our bodies too. That is so true. So Rachel, tell us, um, do you have a, a daily meditation practice or what does your meditation practice look like? My meditation practice is very simple. Um, usually I'll start off in the morning, just, um, observing how I feel. I found especially I have a little one at home. She's two. So it's hard. I have to kind of find time in my day to actually sit down and take a few minutes. So I found if I just start out in the morning before I even get out of bed and do just breathe and take a few minutes to see how am I feeling today? And that's a great check-in to see what the day will be like and to be prepared for, you know, what the day will be like if I'm feeling good. I know you know, I'll probably have a good day. If I'm feeling kind of unsettled, then I'll know I'll need to take care of that throughout the day. And then I don't, I don't meditate a long time when I do sit. It's usually only five minutes because it's usually all I can get. But I find when I stick to it and I keep to the practice, I feel so much better about everything. I'm a huge proponent of the small but really consistent practice. Mm-hmm. Um, I found the exact same situation with my little ones is it's really hard to find 20 minutes or 30 minutes to really get into stillness. And, and I so value it when I do get that time. And if you have the time, of course, I encourage you to take it because you can go deeper. But even in five minutes, you really can tune into how am I feeling in my body? What are the stories running through my head right now? And how do I want to move through the day? I mean, that awareness can be such a powerful tool for us to use in any situation, whether it's engaging with our money or, you know, just moving through the day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. It's so important to have that time. And I think people get intimidated when they are first jumping into meditation. They think, oh, well, I need to be able to sit for hours and my mind wanders. And I think that was something that was really empowering for me too. I had a meditation teacher tell me it's impossible to silence your mind and your mind might want wander, but it's the practice of noticing that and welcoming your mind back and welcoming yourself back into your body. And that just changed everything for me when I realized that. And it took a lot of the intimidation factor <laughs> out of meditation too. And so I'll, I'll tell that to my clients, especially those who are new 
with meditating, you know, when I give them a meditation practice, I'll always remind them of that. Like it doesn't have, it can be just two minutes if that's all, all you have and all you can start with and, and know that you're never going to completely silence your mind. That's impossible. <laughs> you know, and as you're talking, I'm realizing that you say almost the exact same thing when it comes to working with a budget. Mm-hmm. So um, you've been helping me the last couple of months to create and work with a budget. And I'm noticing that you also talk about how it's not going to be a a perfect, you're going to stick to it every month. It's a living, breathing document. Some months will be better than other months. And um, you're really applying that same idea of it's not about this perfect, idealized living with a budget, but it's a give and take and where are you in the moment. So talk to us a little bit about your budget philosophy. Yeah, I so... I'm all about practice makes progress. And you'll hear that a lot in yoga. You'll hear that a lot, you know, apply it, applied to many different modalities. But I think that's where a lot of people get caught up with budgeting. They think they have to make a budget and it's set in stone. And then if they don't stick to it, they start to make judgments. Well, I'm bad with money or I can't stick to a budget because I couldn't do it this one time. And so, like you said, I really feel like budgets are meant to be fluid. It's a plan, right? We can all make plans, but plans have the ability to change. And sometimes they need to change. There are unexpected things that pop up throughout the month. And then a plan is also just just that. What I also do with my clients is have them track their spending throughout the month. So we can take, take that actual data. Okay, this was the plan. This is how the month really panned out. And then we can make a new plan based on that information and make adjustments. And so it is more fluid and it is something that is, you know, more adaptable to life because life isn't set in stone and we're always going to have changes and always going to have unexpected things that pop up. And so it's almost, it's funny working with clients because I can almost see them feel relieved (laughs) just by having that, that pressure taken off of like, Oh wait, I, it doesn't have to be perfect because, you know, I think, I think as Americans, we tend to be perfectionists anyway. So having that permission to not have to be perfect, I think is really powerful. And so what are your um, top tips for, I'm just starting out on this sort of mindful money journey. what would you tell somebody to really pay attention to if they're just getting started with this? Yeah, I think if they're just getting started, you know, I look at two two sides. I look at the practical and then I look at the more soulful side of things. So, I mean, on the practical, I think just tracking your spending in the beginning is really important. Um, even before you make a budget, just noticing where your money is going. And you can do that with an app or you can actually write it out on paper. Um, but just, just starting with noticing. Cause I think what a lot of us do when it comes to money is we, we don't want to look at it. We don't want to see how much we're spending because it's, it's scary. And there's this fear there of like, well, if I look at it, then I'll, then I'll have to make a judgment on myself that I'm good or bad or whatever. But in actuality, when we start looking at our money, we can sort of harness harness that energy. We can see like, okay, well, this is where my money is going. Now I have the ability to change it if I want to, because I have that information. Um, And then on the more soulful side, 
I do, I have my clients just check in with how they're feeling. So if they're going to, if they're opening their bills and they start to feel anxious, it's pausing and noticing, okay, this is how I'm feeling. This is where I'm feeling it in the body. And then we can talk about what that might mean and, and what comes up for them. Because, you know, I think we often forget that money is so tied to our sense of safety and security and all of those emotions manifest in our body. And so when we're having these feelings about money that arise, you know, they're very tied <laughs> internally and, and on that sort of soul level too. Yeah. You know, when you talk about um, not wanting to look at your money because that feels scary and hard, I feel like you're defining how I moved through the world until I started working with you. And it really took sitting down and talking to you to see that it's just about applying the exact same principles of mindfulness meditation Mm -hmm. to this new facet of life, right? So, you know, if you're a listener, you know that we define mindfulness meditation as being in the present moment without judgment and with compassion. And that practice for me translated out into my parenting and the way that I am with my partner and my family. And then it started translating out into the way that I work. And now it's starting to translate even into these moments that I have been like, I don't want to do that. That feels scary. Mm-hmm. Now it's okay. So can I bring presence to that? Can I bring non-judgment to that? Can I bring passion to that? And um, so we're on month three maybe of working yes. together, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's still a work in progress, but mm-hmm. definitely I can see how important that is. And the shift, even just bringing your presence to something, the shift that that makes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I'll talk to clients and we've talked about this too, about um, having money dates, which isn't something I invented. Um, a teacher, money teacher that I have, Barry Tesler, um, she, she sort of invented this concept of money dates, but it's essentially planning time to sit down and, and spend time with your money. And, you know, I think it's interesting, something you said, um, you know, money is really a relationship. And I think a lot of us don't realize that we're in relationship with money. It's we sort of view it as this thing that we have to do, but it but it really is this thing we have a relationship with. And so like any relationship, you have to bring mindfulness to it to be able to tend to that relationship and see, you know, how it's going and make sure that it's flourishing. And um, so also that's why I love these money dates because it's sort of like like you're dating your money. You know, it, it's spending that time and actually, you know, setting aside this is sacred time where I can sit and and look at this information and see how it's making me feel and what I need to do to, to change things or what I need to continue to do. And I always tell my clients to try and make it like a ritual. So whatever ritual, you know, means to them, whether that's lighting a candle or incense or drawing tarot cards when they sit to help them make decisions. And, and so it, it becomes something that that's less a task and more a relationship. I'm so happy you brought up tarot cards. Um, So uh, I don't know if listeners know this or not. I posted a lot on Instagram, but I don't know that I talk about it a ton on the podcast. So I'm super into Oracle cards. I personally use animal spirit cards the most. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's just what I've been drawn to in life. And I use them a lot in my meditation practice just to support inquiry. 
And I was so delighted the first time we worked together when you pulled out tarot cards. And so, and I noticed also on Instagram, actually, I think you use money mantra cards, right? Mm -hmm. So talk to us a little bit about your relationship to cards, why you use those as a tool. I love it. So thank you. I love them too. I've been working with tarot since I was about 16. My aunt um, actually, and my mom, they got really into tarot. My aunt's husband had passed away and it was sort of a healing thing for them. And they started seeing a lot of tarot readers, some better than others. <laughs> we spent a lot of time at Crystal Blue in Atlanta, which is a metaphysical shop that sells great crystals and tarot cards and all sorts of metaphysical stuff. Um, so I got really into it then and and sort of um, I realized, you know, for me, tarot was really transformational as I was thinking about leaving the corporate world and, you know, thinking about what a new business might look like. And so it was, you know, a great tool of inquiry for me. And I wanted to incorporate it into this, you know, into this offering for my company Blissful Budget. And so I, um, I start out now every client with a money relationship reading. And so it's a drawing of cards that really looks at where you are right now with your relationship with money. What are your past influences with money? What new habits do you want to call in? Um, things like that. That really kind of gives me a good picture of what where we're starting, really. And it's a good conversation starter, too, because I tell all my clients, you know, one, I'm not attached to being right or wrong. This is a conversation. And, um, you know, two, I see tarot as a mirror and not not really a divination tool, but more of a, you know, here right now, here is sort of how things are. And they have been so powerful doing these readings. I love doing them. I'm always amazed at what comes up. They're always very spot on and they've been really powerful and, and really great conversations that I've had you know, to kick things off with my client. And then the, um, every Monday I post on my Instagram, I have this deck by a tarot uh, reader named Ethany and it's called, I think it's called the Money Manifestation Tarot Deck and it has different mantra on each card. And so I'll draw three and, you know, I'll say pick one and then swipe the picture and you can see the mantra that you've uncovered. And that's been really popular. And, and it's also amazing just seeing, you know, the mantra that people choose and then how it, how it speaks to them and how it relates to them. And so I love it when people share in the comments and say, you know, oh my gosh, this is exactly what I've needed or exactly what I've been thinking about. And and then they can take that mantra and use it in their meditation practice. Yeah. You know, I always look at cards as simply, uh, I love the word mirror that you use. I always look at it as like a light that you're just mm-hmm. like shining into those dark corners of your mind. And it's yeah. the information was already there, but sometimes we just haven't accessed it yet, or it mm-hmm. triggers a memory or a story or an idea. Mm-hmm. So I, I find them to be very powerful. That's what I do in my money date is I draw a card. I draw either um, an animal spirit card or sometimes I work with the wild unknowns archetype deck. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I'll draw an archetype card and just let it sit there. And that just is sort of my grounding piece before I open up the bank account and go to work. <laughs> so um, this month, 
on the podcast, our meditation series has been about wayfinding. It's been about tracing back to remember the true self. And, you know, you and I had a conversation just recently in one of our sessions about even in our relationship to money, we can use this again as a tool, sort of tracing back to the pieces that really matter to us versus the pieces that we think we should have or we should do or our, you know, cultural expectations. So I'd love for you to talk to us a little bit about that money relationship regarding true self and ways that we can work with it. Yes, definitely. So I do a lot of work, um, you know, relating the yamas and niyamas of yoga to money. And so it speaks to that too, you know, because we talk about non-comparison and non-covetousness and um, non-attachment too. And so, you know, I think as a society and, and how we're brought up really influences how we relate to money and we put a lot of shoulds on ourselves, And so whether that's, I should work a corporate job or I should make a lot of money. And so, you know, what I'm seeing happen right now is almost like this awakening where people are realizing, oh, I don't want to be in this corporate grind anymore. And I want to be out on my own and make my own rules so that I can have more freedom. And so there's almost this awakening to, to our truth. And and then on the other side of this, you know, there's a lot of, I should be spending money on certain things. Like I should want a big house or I should want a fancy car. And um, so I think I love your theme because it really gets to the heart of, okay, what do I, my true self, <laughs> self with a capital S, what does, does that self really want? You know, for me personally, if I had a 64 room mansion, I think I would shoot myself because I'd have to clean that thing or hire people to clean that thing. <laughs> so that's not what I want. Um, you know, I drive a Prius. <laughs> I'm very happy with that. But so I'll work with my clients on getting really clear on, okay, what, what truly brings you bliss? What truly makes you happy? And then from there, what can we cut out of your budget? that doesn't support that or that goes against those things. And so a lot of times it is, you know, oh, well, I've been buying all these clothes that I don't ever wear. They don't really make me happy. Like, okay, well, let's not do that anymore. Let's cut that out. Um, so it's really getting your budget in alignment with, with those true, true sort of feelings, those true things that bring you happiness and bring you bliss. And so I'll do a meditation with my clients. I call it the bliss list meditation and we kind of go through you know different sensations to really get back to kind of the heart of what really makes you happy what really brings you joy well i really want to do this blissless meditation with you um for the listeners to have this experience mm -hmm. and you know when i did it with you in person um the thing that really came out of it more than anything was you know i really love and prioritize spending time in nature and hiking. And as we like talked through it and explored it, I was really able to see that I absolutely do not need to pay for this gym membership when I have these amazing wooded trails two minutes from my house. Mm -hmm. um, and so I have, you know, since that time, I let go of that membership. I haven't missed it at all. 
And I have really consciously replaced that time with those walks. I didn't just say like, well, now I'm never working out again, but I'm doing it in a way that like fills my heart up so much more than going and sweating in a, you know, in a building. Mm -hmm. So it was, that was a powerful practice for me. And I would love for you to do just a short, maybe five minute version of that with us right now, if you can. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So wherever you are, unless you're in the car, (laughs) find a comfortable seat and close your eyes. We'll start out by just bringing our awareness to the breath and first observing without judgment where you're starting from, noticing if the breath is shallow or deep. Now, as you breathe, find some balance between the inhalation and exhalation. With each inhale, fill the belly with air. And with each exhale, see if you can release into your seat just a little more without collapsing the spine. And bring your awareness to the sound of the breath. So as you breathe, begin to call to mind an activity that brought you joy. Place yourself in this moment doing this activity. Maybe it's an activity from your childhood or one that you've always wanted to do but never had a chance to do, or an activity that you participate in regularly. Notice how you feel in this activity. Notice the sounds around you as you participate in this activity. What can you see? What smells are there? What can you taste even? And then slowly let the activity dissipate, thanking it for being there. Return to the breath. And then as you breathe, begin to call to mind a place that brings you joy.
Maybe this is a place you went as a child or you go as an adult or maybe somewhere you've just always longed to go. Place yourself there in that place. Notice what you see. Notice what you can touch in this place. Notice the sounds around you. And the smells. Any tastes associated with this place. Notice how you feel being here. And then slowly thank this place for being there, for being accessible to you, and let it dissipate. Slowly come back to your breath. Notice your body. Bringing the awareness back to the surface. And then gently open the eyes. Thank you for that. You're welcome. I just had a new realization in that meditation. Oh my goodness, I love it. <laughs> a, new, a new place came to mind. It's oh, really interesting. That's great. It's great. I think that bliss list is so um, valuable to tap into in terms of priorities when you're thinking about making shifts in how you spend your money or where you spend your money. And, um, you know, as we wrap up, I do want you just to talk a little bit about a piece of your philosophy is very much about this is not like the bare bones, miserable time in your life where you're going to never get a cup of coffee again. You're never going to eat out again, you know? Um, And that was a relief to hear you say Mm -hmm. as well. So as we wrap up today, tell us a little bit about that, uh, taking what we saw in our bliss list and letting that live within whatever our budget or our money goals might be. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, a lot of money gurus out there will talk about um, restriction and treat budgeting like cutting out everything fun and meaningful <laughs> in your life and living off ramen noodles. And like any diet, that's not sustainable. And so what I love about the bliss list is it really gets you clear on those things that are meaningful to you and that will bring you joy. And so when I'm working with my clients on their budgets, it's taking those things that are, you know, really at their core that I know if I cut these out of their budget, they're going to be miserable and never stick to it. And using their money to support that and then cutting out the things like your gym membership, like those things that you have and you don't really use um, and, and letting those be the things that go away and then using the money to support the things that really 
do make you happy. And, you know, that might be a cup of coffee <laughs> and that's wonderful. And, um, you know, while a lot of money gurus will say, oh, well, cut out, cut out the coffee. I don't think anyone's going broke off of coffee. <laughs> you know? Thank goodness. So, yeah. So if that's the thing that really brings you joy and you really savor that cup of coffee, then keep the coffee. So yeah, that's why I really love the bliss list is it, it helps you define you know, what's really important and then we can work on, okay, well, well, what can we, what can we cut away? That's not going to feel restrictive and that's not going to feel like you're being put on this money diet. Rachel, where can we learn more about you and the work that you do? Where can we find you on social media? Do you have a website? Tell us everything. Yes, my website is blissfulbudget.com. I started a blog, so I'm writing articles once a week there. Um, I'm on Instagram at budgetblissful because somebody had my name. (laughs) Always the case. (laughs) Yes. So there um, I put content out daily. Each Monday you can get that money mantra draw. I'm also on Facebook, but honestly, Facebook is really just reposting what I'm putting on Instagram. I also have a free Facebook group. It's called A Blissful Budget. So feel free to join there as well. I'll post articles. We'll have conversations occasionally. I just did a savings challenge on the um, Facebook group. So we'll have things like that throughout the year. I love it. Well, thank you so much for taking time to chat with us today. I'm so grateful to um, be working with you right now. It's really um, making a big difference in my life. And I'm glad to get to share this information in a mindful way. So thanks. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to today's episode of The Mindful Minute. If you're enjoying these podcast episodes, I encourage you to also check out Sacred Chill at Home. This is the virtual yoga and meditation studio I have created alongside my business partner, Octavia Rahim. This space is um, available to you if you are looking to add more sacred and more chill into your days right now. You can find it by visiting sacredchillwest.com. Click on classes and look for at home. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Mindful Minute. If you enjoyed this episode, it would mean the world to me if you would take time to leave a review or share this with somebody you think would enjoy it. To learn more about my in-person and virtual offerings, visit MerylArnett.com or check me out on Instagram at MerylArnett. Thanks, y'all. See you next week.